Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on rotogrinders.com and the YouTube channel right here every weekday, 11 in the morning. I'm here with you Monday through Friday to go over uh, yesterday's slate a little. It was a, it was a small slate. We, we, could, we, could, we could talk about it a little. I'll go over today's slate, just the beginning. It's a 10-game slate. I say this every day. You never know. There may be new people here that don't realize that uh, that the NBA uh, people go in, they go out. They, they, seven people are questionable on a team. You have COVID. Who knows? The game gets canceled. So the projections that we have now at 11 o'clock in the morning, by the time you're making lineups at six o'clock at night, everything has changed. So it's uh, we talk a lot more about strategy on this show. Uh, so if you have your strategy questions, Feel free to type them in to the YouTube chat. You know my YouTube people. I like you the most because you're here live. You get you get your answers. You get your questions answered. And if you hit the like button, you keep my apple juice cold. Okay, it's it's actually gotten warm. I I, I was up early today. I had something before this show. So so this is pretty room temperaturey. So we're gonna need extra extra thummy thumbs uh, for for today's show. Uh, just to keep it at, at some reasonable extent. Because then apple juice, once it gets to like room temperature, once it gets below that, once it gets warm, then it, it kind of, you kind of say like, is this apple juice or did I need to use the bathroom? I didn't make it there. And then that that's what's in there. Like you can't tell, can't tell. It looks like I'm dehydrated if that's the case, because it's a little dark. So hit that thumbs up button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell to know when we go live in the morning. I've got this show at 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, then uh, later today, uh, five, what, what's like, what, what time is today's slate? Seven o'clock. So at 5.30 is Grinders Live with Dean. He'll be there. Then we have crunch time for premium members. If you're a premium member, you could sign up using the link in the description below. $10 off your first month. You get all the content. You get all lineup HQ, all the projections. We have tons of stuff. Injury situation room, what if projections, the grind down, means these core plays. We got so much stuff for every slate for uh, NBA basketball, as well as all the sports. You could buy the, the combo premium package and uh, and get projections for anything, anything under the sun. Uh, but uh, but we'll, we'll start with uh, yesterday's slate. Yesterday's slate, slate was, uh, I don't know, uh, didn't expect Javon Carter not to play. <laughs> Didn't expect that. You figure, okay, it's a back-to-back. Chris Paul, pretty old, right? Is he going to play? How, how much is he going to play in a back-to-back? You have Devin Booker out. You got Cameron Payne out. And Javon Carter's been playing, you know, backup point guard. Uh, and, and, and Lanson Galloway's played a total of like two minutes over three games. And then once you see Langston Galloway check in at the five-minute mark in the first quarter, you start looking at your Javon Carter lineups and go, nice knowing you, <laughs> nice knowing you. And then you're hoping, okay, maybe he's going to come in for Michael Bridges. Nope, that didn't happen either. So if you play, if you played Javon Carter yesterday, 16%, he got in right at the end. He got, he got in the last three minutes. He got, you got your 1.25 points. So you got, you got a little, you got a little nibble, nibble out of him. But Marquis Morris, he was also popular. He didn't do much. Seven and a half points. So if, if you didn't play those cheapies, you probably cashed. I mean, Kuzma, probably, you know, most popular. And obviously, you know, you know he crushed for his salary on both sides. Uh, Lillard, popular for raw points. Paul didn't get there uh, in the blowout. 
And uh, Jay Crowder had had himself a game, so he did pretty well. Carmelo didn't really get there. But pretty much, you know, he got raw points out of guys like LeBron, guys like Dame Lillard. And then uh, if you managed to play Frank Kaminsky, I don't even know. Frank Kaminsky was owned 0.64% in the 500K fadeaway on DraftKings. And um, playing backup minutes to DeAndre Ayton. So Ayton really didn't get there. Ayton had a good first half. And then uh, then played like the first five minutes and never came back. Now he just left. I don't know. Just never going to need him anymore, right? So if you played Frank Kaminsky, uh, you got rewarded. We see Chet Abisk here. Chet Abisk, let's go. Let's go to his lineups, right? Yeah, Frank Kaminsky. There you go. That's all he needed. Gabe Vincent also, right? Gabe Vincent, the, the game before, only played like eight minutes. Then all of a sudden, 28 minutes. Who cares, right? The opposite of Javon Carter. So basically, that's all you needed. Kaminsky, Vincent, and raw points, right? Derek Jones, decent game. Kuzma, you got Kuzma, you got Wood, you got LeBron, Jay Crowder, Damian Lillard. You're good. You win $100,000, right? Even next next lineup over here, right? No, Frank Kaminsky. Got Tyler Heroes, 41. Oladipo had a good game, 11% owned. Gary Trent. He had a pretty good game. It was 5,000. So like, you know, six and a half X or so. That ain't bad. Got there without Frank Kaminsky. Maswa, see, no Frank Kaminsky and DeAndre Ayton. On a four-game slate, you just kind of need raw points. I mean, we see because he because Chetabisk played Frank Kaminsky that, you know, he won by like 11 points. But then you get a lot of, you know, 300, 300 range. Kobe for MVP, right? Mason Plumley. Gabe Vincent, you still got the 1% Gabe Vincent, but we can take a look at Chet Abisk's lineups, like from an exposure standpoint. Like, where, where's Frank Kaminsky? Like, nothing. Like, uh, 6% of his 150 lineups? So we're talking about what? Nine lineups that he was in? I mean, if we look look around, I mean, at 0.64%, I mean, if we're going to click some of these 150 maxers, right? And just click all of them. Let's see. Anyone that finished anywhere close to the top, right? So there we go. Toggle full screen. Put it by the field. Let's type in Frank Kaminsky. And oh, okay. So 6%, 5%, 9%, 0.67%, and then nothing for these guys. What would have put you on Frank Kaminsky? Nothing, nothing. I mean, that people are like, oh, how would have they have known? It's a the game blew out and, uh, you know, Kaminsky had a good game backing up uh, Aiton. And there you go. Sometimes you'd have to take a shot on, on a four game slate to be uh, unique. And he, and he put up, uh, put up what 13 X or something. I mean, he was a three K player. It happens, but that could have been anyone. I mean, that's, that's still kind of the point. They took a shot and they got there, but I mean, it could have been, it could have been anyone. It could have been Harry Giles. It could have been KZ Okpala. It could have been any, I mean, that that's the problem with, with uh, taking stabs like that is that who is it going to be? You don't know. So sometimes you do. Sometimes it's just whoever fits in the lineup. I mean, we even see with Akpala, like, yeah, some of these, some of these guys had some of them, right? Fit in, fit in some spots. Like Gabe Vincent, okay, fifteen percent for uh, Kurt Brannigan over here. But on a four-game slate, you you have to take some some types of shots, especially if you're going to play chalk in your lineups up here. Whistles go woo. Didn't play much of Carmelo Anthony. Kurt Brannigan did the opposite and played. Little Kuzma still fit into 20% of his lineups, but then you have, you know, most people played a ton of them. 
you see over the field. I think 57% on DraftKings for Kuzma at his price. It was significantly, significantly underpriced. So I think it was plus EV to be be over that. At 57% ownership in the fadeaway, I think you I think you just jam him in at that point. Anthony, maybe not not so much. Obviously, the expensive guys like Lillard and LeBron James aren't need. I mean, they're raw points plays. But I could see if you didn't play Marquise Morris, okay, that that's fine. You burned 24% of the field. Javon Carter, hmm, right? Cameron Johnson didn't really get there. Schroeder didn't really get there. I mean, it was a low-scoring slate overall. And if you could win low-scoring slates, that's 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 the best. As opposed to, you know, when it's Chalk City and the scores are 400 points. Like, it's very hard to win those slates. So that was a little bit about last night. Let me take a look at the YouTube chat going through, keeping the apple juice cold, hitting that thumbs up button. Uh, let's see. It's casual Friday, by the way. So casual, casual questions. That means you, you spell things wrong, I guess. I don't know. What, what would a casual question be? I have no idea. Let's see. Andrew D says, just wanted to say thanks in terms of contest selection. Been trying out FanDuel and using beginner contests. I've been cleaning up all week in cash. Yeah, those beginner contests, they only last for so long, right? Eventually, you're going to have to play against real people, right? I mean, obviously, you're playing against real people, but just, I don't know. I don't know how smart those people are playing the beginner contests. But yeah, so max those out, make your money, and then then hopefully you don't get hit with a harsh dose of reality that not everyone is that bad. But yes, if you have access to weaker players, play those contests. It's not, it's not complicated, right? You can play a guy heads up 50 bucks a day and they're horrible, then keep on doing it. There you go. Uh, let's see. Uh, JMGDFS83 says, I faded the Houston-Portland game last night, had Plumley and Coos, and then I had none but Toom, and then games... Okay, he's driving his whole lineup. It didn't work out, but do you like the process for, for FanDuel? I mean, the, the, I mean, the only chalk player on FanDuel last night was... I mean, essentially... Yeah, I mean, I guess Lillard, Anthony, and, and Cantor. Oladipo wasn't that owned, right? So, yeah, I could understand fading that game. Had Plumlee in the center spot. Kuz, okay, he's chalk. Nunn and Batum, okay, that's a little bit chalky. Then game stack, Golden State, Philadelphia, uh, and, and Phoenix on FanDuel. I think that would make sense if you played Curry over Paul. Because also, like, Phoenix was, like, Paul was chalk. You probably played one of like Cameron Johnson or Michael Bridges, but I mean, it's a four game slate. So, I mean, you're going to have to, you find some way to get different, but you're still going to be kind of chalky. So yeah, I guess so. I guess it works out. I don't, I don't know the ownership as much on FanDuel since I just play cash games there. But, uh, but I mean, as long as you get different in like two or three spots, I, I think that's fine. Shane Newman asks, hey, Blender, what's the equation for finding chances of a duplicate lineup in a certain contest again? The best way to estimate that is by ownership product. Product is the mathematical term for when you multiply numbers together. So you take the ownership of the players. And remember, like 79, 57% is 0.57, not 57, right? Mathematically. So you take the ownership. So for instance... We go to entries and his this lineup, the Chet Abisk lineup. This is going to be ridiculous amount of leverage because he has a 0.64% owned guy. But let's say we take Mazua's lineup. There's a 1% owned guy. Okay, all right, there's another 1% owned guy. Let's get 
let's get down to like normal numbers because you're going to obviously, you know, have a much nickelback for life. Okay, here, here, 11% is the lowest. So you just multiply these numbers together. 0.45 times 0.12 times 0.57 times 0.35. Like, obviously, you're multiplying the projected ownership. You're not going to know the actual ones until the game's locked. So you multiply all these numbers together, and then you multiply it by the field size. If that number is less than one, you're good. If it's over one, it's it's not it's not leveraged enough, right? That's the that's to estimate. This doesn't take into account correlation or anything like that. More likely lineups with this guy have that guy, so you may have some overlap there. But a good way to get a sense on if you're unique, if you're properly leveraged, is to multiply the ownership and then multiply it by the field size. Or do one over that. I mean, like, obviously, it's a math equation. You could you could factor it multiple ways. But that's the easiest way. Multiply the projected ownership of the players together, then multiply it by the field size. Because obviously, once you multiply, if this was 500 players, like, you don't need as much leverage. So that number for this same lineup in a 500-entry contest would be, like, minuscule. You'd look at a, and go, why... Like now it's, it's not just under one, it's under one by the point of the point, oh, 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 whatever. And you go, okay, that, I don't need to get that different. You don't have to give up that much uh, median projection in order to get leverage in a 500 entry contest. But that that's the easiest way to estimate it. You could simulate it out. There are simulations that you could do, but if you're not skilled enough or don't have the process to do that, you can, you can make it a little bit more accurate, but that's a good estimation. That's a good blunt tool. Instead of using ownership, some use ownership product, right? Because we have that, you know, you, you build, you build some lineups. We don't have, I mean, we don't have projected ownership now. And I'll show you 171 as the sum of all of it, but that's really not a good differentiator because you could have, look at Frank Comiskey yesterday, right? If you added this all up, I mean, it's a pretty big number. 45%, 33, 57. But once you add like two 1% on guys, like the product of all of this is going to be very low. But the, the sum is still going to be on par with a lot of other lineups. So that's why the product is a better estimation than the sum. That's a better way to put it. Let's see, go through the YouTube chat. If you have any questions, just type it in. It's casual Friday. Who knows what we're going to be talking about? We'll run some lineups for today's slate. We'll see what's going on. I'll, I'll run. I'll run those in the background as I look through a uh, through YouTube chat. So let, let's let's run let's run 150. Right. I'll run that. Let's look for some questions. Let's get all the way up to exactly 150. I've got everything default. Okay. So just run it. Uh, Brandon Stinson asks Jordan, how, how are players minutes predicted? And most importantly, is there someone I could go before each game to now all active players for each team? I don't know what the end means. A little bit of word salad there. I don't know. It seems like too many words. Uh, minutes are projected by, I mean, they're projected by, you could be, you could project them. Uh, we have a projections team that does it. You have 240 minutes on a team that has to be allocated, right? depending on what they normally play, what they, uh, the, this guy's in, that guy's out type of thing, you allocate 240 minutes. And then obviously it's like, oh, some shooting guard that normally comes off the bench for 20 minutes. Well, where does his, his minutes go? 
may go to may, a minute may go to a starter. A minute, five minutes may go to this player. Maybe they move this guy into the rotation. So you're trying to come up with minutes projections that are like the median of that. Understand that anything that you're looking at when it comes to meet when it comes to projections at the midpoint, the fantasy points as well as minutes is a median. Guy gets into foul trouble, he's he's not he's not going to hit 33 points. Right? It's a blowout. He's not going to hit 33 points. If there's a hot hand, you know, that maybe he plays 28 minutes cuz someone else is in the game. Maybe if it's a close game and he's doing well, instead of playing 33, he plays 37 minutes, right? So you're kind of looking at minutes as, as in a probabilistic manner and not in a predictive manner. You're not going to say, he will play 33 minutes tonight. No, play somewhere between 26 and 36, right? More likely towards the 33, more likely up there, but it'd be somewhere between 26 and 33. Right. And then based on those number of minutes, then it gets put through the model with all the predictive variables, fantasy points per minute, assist rate, usage rate, defensive efficiency, offensive efficiency, all that type of stuff to come up with a 33 minutes equals X amount of points. 30 minutes equals X amount of less points. So that that's how, that's how projections are made. Michael Lingelfelter says, so saw most sharps pay up for Lillard and Paul, and you played more Paul and Curry lineups. Almost no one was on Curry, who seemed to be a decent pivot, 20% smash. Can you help me understand why I was alone? Well, because, because Lillard and Paul were better projected plays. But for GPP on FanDuel, was this FanDuel or this was uh, DraftKings? I'm not even sure. It seemed like both sites. It was Paul Curry. It was based on lineup construction because if you're playing Aiton, I mean, because Lillard projected better raw points-wise than Curry, even though Curry was a little bit cheaper. But the discount you got ownership-wise on Curry was definitely worth it. Why are you alone? Why not? What's wrong with being alone? I mean, let's take a look. Let's take a look at the uh, ownership here in the large field, right? So Curry... Curry was 14% owned. Lillard was 45% owned. I think that easily. If you played Curry, I think that's fine. Paul, 39% owned. On a slate that's four, four games? Do that. What's wrong with that? Were you alone? Like, I mean, let's take a look at the, the players that we just, we just had here. Curry. Yeah, they still had plenty. I mean, yeah, look. 14%, 24%, 30%. I mean, not like not excessively or anything like that, but still plenty of people played Curry. It's a four games late. Perfectly fine. If you saw these as like 2% and 0%, then then you'd have a problem. But a lot, at least in, in the sample that I'm looking at right here, amongst what, seven players, seven users, they decided that that wasn't the place to get leverage. Right? Take a look at Lillard. But even look, you even see a little under on Lillard, like not not ridiculously so. Kendrick Nunn over the field, Aiton, Cameron Johnson, but here like like Gary Trent. See, I get that. I get the Gary Trent. I get the Derek Jones, even the Depot stuff, Tyler Hero, Precious even a little. Marcus Morris, Marcus Morris, as opposed to Markeith Morris. Tail and Horton Tucker. I mean, he didn't get there, but 
Seems like most most sharp players ate the, the expensive guards and try to get different elsewhere. Does that mean that if you played Curry instead of Lillard that you're wrong? No. Just that the angles that, that at least what I'm looking at here, they chose otherwise. They let less so. They still had Curry lineups, but just less so of other types of lineups. You could go on an angle that could be plus EV and just, okay, Sharps went on it a little bit less, but not like zero or anything. Let's see. Right, Kai Roach says, the Windows calculator has a little one over X button. Multiply the ownership and then click that button. It will tell you the number of entries. Right, there you go. That's what I said. You, you could make that equation multiple ways. A lot of people don't know how to use a calculator that well. So I'm just like, multiply them all, then multiply that by the, the entries. If that's less than one, you're good. Right, that's the easier way to put it rather than use the one over X. And then that'll tell you the 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 minimum number of entries that you need in order to play that lineup that has enough leverage or uniqueness. Rob B asks, how can you determine ownership when a surprise start happens at 637 and ownership doesn't update on RG, just the stats? Because ownership, right, ownership updates later than the projections. Then look through your lineups. Right, we try to do that here at Roto-Grinders. It's tough. That last hour? I mean, because you have to simulate that all out and that takes time. That takes computer power and time, right? And, and Chris Gimino is behind the scenes with his hamsters doing that. And sometimes it, sometimes at the last 6.52, I mean, you're not going to get like the accurate ownership, but you have how you determine what you should adjust, at least from a, a range perspective, like generalized, estimated. Like if we see here, that like based on, you know, based on our 1028 projections, right? We're taking a look at what's the chalk construction. We see Hayward, Zeller, Murray and DeRozan seem underpriced. Theo Maladon is a value play, right? Pay up for Jokic, right? You see something like this. And you go, well, what happens if, let's say Pascal Siakam and, and Fred Van Vliet were out? Let's just say. Well, obviously that's going to increase the ownership of Lowry, of Powell. And then you go, well, what, what, what position does Powell play? Well, Powell fit, fits a small forward spot. And it seems like the small forward spot may be a little weak today. You get a lot, you get mid range options, Hayward, Barton for 4,300, right? We take a look at small forward and we go, okay, DeRozan, but he could also be in power forward, right? We look at small forward, power forward. There's a lot of Hayward DeRozan currently. But now once you add like Powell to the mix, once Shy gets replaced by Lowry now, in that case, well, now the lineups start changing. Right? So one way you could one way you could you could try to estimate it a little is to run those lineups with those players locked and see who ends up benefiting in the other spots, who's more owned because of that. So let's take that case. Okay, this is not happening today. I do not know that Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet are going to be out today. They're most likely playing. I'm just making up a fictional example. Okay, so we're bu we built 150 lineups. So let's take out Fred Van Vliet. Let's take out Siakam. 
Now, obviously, if we go to Toronto, that's going to definitely improve uh, the Toronto players. Right? We're going to see here, Lowry will get a boost. OG will get a boost. Terrence Davis will get more minutes. Norman Powell at 60. I mean, he's 6,200. But, I mean, he'll still get a boost. Maybe Stanley Johnson a little. Right? But these are, but these projections will update. But just the ownership won't update. So, like, he'll say, like, Lowry is one of the best players on the slate. And he's going to be 2% owned. No, he's not going to be 2% owned. Right? So, let's say we lock in Lowry and we lock in Powell. For instance. We said they're going to be much more popular than what the ownership is. And then we build 150 lineups. See who now fits in because of that. To get a sense. I mean, you could do this in your head. You could use common sense and logic to kind of do this in your head and go, well, now that people can pay up here, they're going to pay down there. Now that people don't have to play Hayward and and uh, DeRozan at small forward, well, how does that affect people's lineup? Are we going to get more Zeller or are you going to get less Zeller? Is Zeller needed now at 4K in the center spot? Well, run a bunch of lineups and see. It doesn't have to be 150. It could be 50. Be 20, who knows? Whatever you want to do. Okay, now we ran that. We still get still get Hayward because Hayward and DeRozan still have to fit one of the power forward spots. You still get Murray, still get Jokic, but now we get now we get Gobert. So we still get Zeller. Where's Zeller? Zeller's okay. Zeller's ownership will go down. DeRozan's ownership will go down. Gobert's ownership will come up. Seth Curry will come up a little. I mean, like. See what it was from the first build, right? If we compare the builds together, if we locked in Lowry and Powell. So we're going from Gordon Hayward and Murray and DeRozan being like, look at all these guys that are 80 plus up. Like their, their ownership is going to come down, right? A little, Hayward, a little, DeRozan, a bunch more. Murray, a little, Zeller, a good 20% of ownership comes off of him. Jokic is 38 in this case. And he's 55 there. So now ownership is going to go down there. Then where does it come up? Look at Gobert at 15% here. Then you go here in your second build. Rudy Gobert now gains some ownership. Just based on the projections. Now, is this completely accurate? No. But if you wanted to get a sense of how that affects ownership, this is, this is an exercise that you can do. Just lock them in. Go, okay, did, you know these guys' ownership is going to go up. So what do lineups look like that have both Lowry and Powell in? So let's take another example. Okay, I'm going to delete these builds. Okay, just look. Just looking at the uh, what the chalk is, just so I could give a better, maybe even better example. Let's say, for instance, let's look at the center position. I think that's a better way of putting it. Let's say, let's say, uh, let's say Embiid is out. He's questionable. Okay. I know last time Howard sucked. He's 4,200. Okay. Embiid's out. Oh, Embiid's out. So that's going to raise the projections of like Harris, Howard, right? So I'm going to lock in Howard, right? Lock in Howard. And let's say also on top of it that, uh, that, uh, let's, let's just make up an example. Andre Drummond's out also, right? So now Jared Allen is 5,200. And he's going to be a better, he ends up being a better point per dollar play than Zeller. So now that you know that Howard and Allen are going to start gaining ownership, 
Well, what is that going to naturally do to Cody Zeller? We have two centers that are going to start gaining steam and you can only fit two on DraftKings at most. So that Zeller ownership is going to go down. So now if we built 150 lines with those two guys locked in, how does that affect your bill? Because now Jokic goes down also, right? Any center will now go down. Whatever you see is on. If, if Jokic, we came out with the 23% ownership, like now you know that's, that's going to be more like 12, right? The ownership has to go somewhere. More people are going to be jamming in Howard, jamming in Allen. And like I said, if you if you just showed up, I'm making up a fictional example. Andre Drummond is not out, okay? Joel Embiid, we don't know about. He's questionable. He's not out. I'm using this as an example. Basically, Sabonis comes up a bit in the power forward spot because now you're able to pay up $9,200 there. Seth Curry gets some steam. I guess so. He fits in some spots. You still get plenty of Hayward and DeRozan because of the power forward spot. Still get Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He gets some Lowry. Okay. Start seeing where the ownership moves. But obviously, the center ownership is going to come dramatically down. The more, because we start from a position where if Drummond and Embiid were not out, these guys would be like 1% owned. But now they're going to be more like 20 or 30% owned, maybe even more. So where does that come out of? It comes out of other centers. And depending on the price of the centers, because now we're using a similar example because Zeller is only 4K. But now let's say it's an expensive center. Let's say for, for some whatever reason, uh, in the center position because of guys being in or out. Uh, maybe Jared Allen is the one that's out. And now Drummond, we're projecting to have to play 36 minutes. And then you see that uh, Aaron Gordon is out or something. Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier are out. And now Vooch becomes a great play. <clears throat> well, now that's going to take ownership from Jokic. It's going to take ownership from Zeller. But now you got two expensive centers. So now what do those lineups look like? If you're playing two expensive centers now, or the field is playing lineups that have, have two expensive centers in it possibly, what, what players can they not play? I'm assuming it's going to be higher priced guards because <coughs> you only have $50,000 worth of salary. So we're probably going to see less shy, less, probably a little bit less DeRozan and Hayward. Still see plenty of them. They'll fit in the spot. Probably see more Seth Curry. more Whatever the cheap guards are, they're probably going to come up. So let's look at this. So yeah, Theo Maladon just wants to jam it in. Murray, jam it in, right? You're going to get a little just a little less ownership on Hayward and DeRozan. You got a lot more on Barton in the small forward spot because he's 4,300. Hamadou Diallo, Seth Curry, Darius Garland, Jeremy Lamb, right? You don't see where shy. You really don't see where, I don't even know if he's even here. He was in like 31% of the other build and like nothing now. Because for his price, he can't, you just can't fit him in. Right? Less, less for the Raptors players. So this is, this is a way for you to, you could tell. I mean, it's logic. It's not like I'm explaining something. Oh my God, some big mathematical formula. Oh, more, oh, a lot more people are going to be spending up at center now. So that means the only way for them to spend up at center is to spend out in another position. And if they're spending down at that other position, that means the higher priced players at that position are going to be under-owned. Because the only way to play Drummond and Vucevic together is to play Garland and Maladon, Murray. So you have like 8K, 9K 
guards, those that's where the ownership is going to come from. I mean, we look at the guard position. I mean, it's going to come from Luca. It's going to come from Luca and Harden and Beal and Trey Young and Westbrook and Irving and like all those guys. We're going to start losing ownership because it's just that's what lineup construction is. So I hope that helps you. So if it's like if it's a 15 minutes before lock and we don't have projected ownership updated by seven, because it takes time. Like this is a way to get a sense or at least to think about it. Maybe you're not going to run lineups like this, but like, just think logically. Oh, that opens up this. That opens up that. That means more players could play this. Well, if more players could play this, that means they're, le- they're, they're less likely to play that. So that's where the, the ownership is going to go here. And then that means you could get leverage in a different way. Kai Roach says, I keep getting top 10 finishes, but I've yet to get first or second. Am I stupid or just unlucky? No, you're just unlucky, probably. Your goal is to just get, if you can get yourself in the top 10, that's your goal. At that point, it's variance. You can't control anything. The difference between 10th and first could be a couple of points. No, no, no. I don't think, I don't, I mean, you're stupid. No, you want to get up there. You want to get there up there as consistently as possible. It's not going to happen most nights. You get up there often enough and you'll, you'll get first at some point. But if you're, if you're never getting up there, if you play, if you, if you're playing a half a year and you're like, I haven't even sniffed a top 10, top 20 or something like that, then, then maybe you, you, maybe you have a problem with your lineup constructions. Maybe you're building lineups that are too safe. Maybe you're building lineups that are just too poorly projected. You're going way off the board and you're never getting up there. But that's but that's what variance is. You can't control that. JMG DFS 83 says in last night's slate, Dame Mello and Cantor were all extremely chalky. Yes, that was, that was on FanDuel, definitely. I contemplated playing Simons, Giles, and Batum. In single entry FanDuel, would that leverage be too risky? An 11,000 man GPP? No, that's fine. I mean, and then you pay up in other spots that people were not paying up for. I mean, it didn't, it wouldn't have worked out. But yeah, no, an 11,000, that's a pretty big, big field GPP. But once you play Simons, Giles, and Batum, like you're done. Like, don't think about, well, maybe I also do that. No, no, you're done. You're way, you're different enough. Like the last, what, six spots? Just jamming whatever the best plays are. Like, you're good. I think that's the key. It's like, okay, once you made that decision, once you found the leverage, what's the angle that I'm going with? What's the leverage point I'm going with? You chose, you contemplated playing Simons, Giles, and Batum. You go, okay, who's negatively correlated to those guys? So probably if you're playing Giles, you're not playing Cantor. If you're not playing, if you're playing Simons, you're not playing Lillard. Okay, I get that. So you make sure you you don't have those guys in your lineup. So you X those guys out and then jam in the best plays and then whatever it is, right? At that point, and you're good. <coughs> you don't have to make all these decisions in six other spots. Well, is it, well, I could also do this and it's 11th that you're good. Based on the ownership from yesterday and FanDuel, like you're like, you're done. You don't want to give up any more median projection anymore. You're done, you're, you're good, okay? That's the way you should be thinking about it. You should be looking at a slate going, where do I find the leverage? Let me find one or two leverage points, lock, lock, something like that, or whatever, whatever the hell it would be. 
And then you just run it. And then what, what are the best lineups from? So let me go through the YouTube chat some more. Let's see. A lot, a lot, a lot of questions on casual Fridays. Casual. Hit that thumbs up button. Keep the apple juice cold. Okay. Jack Smith asks, do you think using different sites for different stats can be beneficial? Do you think using one site is more consistent? I don't know what you mean by different stats. Talk about different projections, maybe? You could aggregate them if you want. You want to look at different, oh, this site projects this guy for this minute, minute, minutes, this guy for this slightly differently, two minutes less. I mean, yeah, sure, why not? <clears throat> you can compare models to one another. I do that. I mean, yes, I rely very heavily on the Roto-Grinders projections team. But I also know that people look at other projections. I want to see what they're looking at, right? I can look at, I can look at another model and go, oh, I think they're over-projecting that guy. He's going to be a little bit more popular than I think he's going to be, right? It's kind of like reconnaissance, doing that type of thing. You can, why not? Let's see. Jamar Simmons asks, uh, the product of ownership determines the minimum or maximum number of entry size. The maximum. I think I said minimum before. I was, I was the minimum number, like one as the number. The maximum amount of entries. Right. So that's what I'm talking about when it comes to that. Michael Lingelfelter says, thoughts on the single entry process. One, create player pool. Two, run median projection and like, like, or press the heart button. Top 10 to 15 lineups. Three, run lineup HQ with ceiling projections and scroll down to see which of the 10, 15 lineups pops up first. I mean, but that doesn't take into account any type of leverage whatsoever. You have to add, you have to add that in, right? I mean, the, the whole point is like, you're not trying to play the best projected lineup. You're trying to play the best lineup that has the combination of projection and relative value and, and leverage. So it, it may not be the 12th lineup. It may be, it may be the 48th lineup, right? In order to get low enough ownership for the contest size that you're playing. So maybe the first 30 lineups, and it has some type of negative correlation. Like today, maybe you don't play Deontay Murray and DeRozan in the same lineup. Yet, from a projection standpoint, for like a cash game, yeah, yeah, sure. You could could play them both together in the same lineup. But in a 10-game slate, maybe you don't in a GPP lineup. But it's that you have to put that in. It's going to continually give you Murray and – it's going to give you Hayward-Zeller lineups. It's going to give you Murray-DeRozan lineups and – you're, you're looking for first place. You're, 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 you're putting in negative correlation into your lineup that limits your ceiling. Can they both get there? Yes, they can. But on 10 game slate, maybe you decide not to do that. Trey McRae says, with the Donovan Mitchell news pending, right? We have that news, right? We don't know about him. And that's going to be late. That's 10. Oh, that's the late, late. That's the latest game. That's the latest game on the slate. With the Donovan Mitchell news pending, I think I might stack the late games and give myself options tonight that many others will less likely have. That's perfectly viable. Absolutely. You're, you're, you're thinking well. 
Understand also that if Donovan Mitchell does play, uh, well, then uh, your strategy kind of goes out the window a bit. Yeah, you got to hope for ceiling results out of everyone. Right? If Mitchell plays, you play Mitchell at 8,300. But then some of these other guys have started to come up in price on the Jazz. But if you want to save optionality and do it that way and build more for that, and if Mitchell's out and less people are playing, the, the Ingles and Clarkson and Conley and Gobert and those types, go, go for it. I think, that's, I think that's absolutely a great idea. It's one of many possible great ideas. So that's that's what you have to have to start learning when you play DFS. That there's no one correct answer to anything. It's a ten game slate. There's a hundred angles you could take on this slate that are all viable. They're all within a similar expected value of one another. Which one are you going to do? Which five are you going to do? Which twenty are you going to do? I mean, like. What are you going to do? Sometimes it's really close. And sometimes you just say it's close and I'm just going to make a decision. Just whatever it is. Because it's the, you're looking at the difference between 51%, 49% type of decisions. At some point, you just have to say, that's what it is. This is what I'm doing. So Trey McRae, you're deciding on that? Fine, good. Do that. If it works out, great. You could win first place. And if it doesn't, oh, well, tomorrow's another slate. Okay. Let's look through here. Oh, I keep on whenever I scroll in the in the pop-up, it always scrolls me all the way down. K Thumbs asks, how do you use projected range of outcome slider under the build rules? Do you always keep it under optimal? I always keep it under optimal. The settings, I, I've said this multiple times before. The settings in lineup HQ, there's no correct settings. It's whatever settings you need in order to make the lineups you want. Sometimes I have to add randomness just to, so I, I constantly don't keep on getting some cheap scrub in there that is trying to jam in. And I'm like, I don't want, I, I want them in my, I want them in a couple of my lineups, but not in all of them. Sometimes I have to put, you know, oh, I'm playing, I need to play more double center lineups. So I need to put this up. So I make sure to get more double center lineups because that's what I wanted to play. I don't know. You have to decide what you want to do. You look at lineups first, then you go, okay, I want to build a lot more of these lineups. If I don't, if I don't want, uh, uh, like, let's take a look at like Barton, well, Barton's both shooting guard and small forward, but let's take a look at small forward. Like, I mean, we built lineups before. Well, I'm going to build a bunch of lineups. Take a look at small forward. Take a look point per dollar. Yeah. That's why it's giving me a ton of Hayward, Hayward, DeRozan, Barton, Diallo, right? So let's say we take a look at, is Diallo in here in the top 150? Let's see. Yeah, he's in a bunch, 12 of them. If it's jamming in, like it's jamming in Theo Maladon all the time. So maybe I, I, I don't want him in that many lineups. I want him in 30% of the lineups, right? So I rebuild. Right, I'm just going to pause it right now. So it's going to give you less, but now it's giving you all the Zeller. Oh, I don't want that much gel. I mean, you have to do stuff like this. Then if you're not getting it enough, if it's like, okay, I still need to get some of these scrubs into my lineups, then maybe you increase the range of outcomes. Maybe you don't. Maybe you increase it by 5%. Maybe you increase it by 50 to 50. I mean, if you're getting up to that point, there's no point of even using the projections, right? 50%, I mean, that's, 
you might as you might as well just throw darts at a dartboard at that point. I mean, the numbers don't matter in the projections anymore. So you're just using using the the numbers. I don't know what numbers these are going to be. I may not even need to use min or max total ownership. If I'm building lineups and making decisions and find out that my lineups have like almost no ownership in them and they're too leveraged, then I'm like, okay, I need to use a blunt tool. Keep this above 80, right? So I just get lineups like 80. And if I'm getting ones that are too chalky, I may go, I'm, I've, I've built 10 times, 20 times, I'm still getting too chalky lineups. Well, then screw it. Blunted under just blunt tool, 120 max. Let me do it that way. But I may not, I, I likely don't set that before anything. I'm only, I'm using, it's a calculator. If you ask, if you, oh, how many times do you press the addition button? How many times do I need to press it? What am I, what, what am I calculating? Right? I need something to calculate first. I'm going to the grocery store, I'm buying 17 items. And how much do I need to bring? Like, well, then, and that's, those are the numbers that I need to put in. Right? And it's the same way with the lineup HQ, with any optimizer. It's not about the settings. There's no, if I just knew the settings, I could press a button and make money. It, it, it's a calculator. Imagine doing your taxes and you just ask me, what buttons do I press in the calculator? What does that do? I don't know. What's your income? What do I need this? What are the numbers? What are the... What, what do you, what, uh, do you have to file a schedule A? Do we have to, I, I don't know what you, I don't even know what your tax strategy is at all. So you're looking there at the calculator and the accountant's like, oh, get, uh, tell me what numbers to press. I mean, that's the same thing. Whatever numbers you need to press in order for what, what are the lineups that you make. That's it. Uh, let's see. Jamar Simmons says, uh, it keeps on skipping. Did I miss it? Okay, once you figure out your three leverage points, are you getting the other six based off of medium projections or ceiling projections? Doesn't matter. It does I'm gonna make that choice anyway. I'm I'm looking at the ceilings as it is. I'm probably I'm most likely the medians. But I'll look at a guy and go, am I getting enough upside in the lineup? So maybe I don't play that first lineup. I mean, it doesn't matter if you use medians. I mean, most of the players have somewhat of a normal distribution. So it's not going to be that drastic. And if I see that, like, oh, I have George Hill in my line, you know, like some type of player that has a very narrow range of outcomes and very little upside, like smash percentage wise, then maybe I don't play that lineup. So like, if I go here, let's go to 20. Right, we're just gonna build twenty lineups. Do I have no? I have no player groups. I got nothing. I got nothing going on. I'm gonna build twenty lineups just by median. All right, I'm not using ceiling projections or nothing. So I, I can look through these. I can look through this and go, like, is there anyone here that like has a very low smash percentage? Right, I'll have it decent enough, but sometimes the, you see that it's jammed in. Garland, Seth Curry. I'm getting Seth Curry. What's going on with Seth Curry today? Seth Curry, 21%. Okay, so not that bad, right? Volatile, minus one, one five. But I look at this type of stuff. I go, well, I'm using medians, but, you know, Theo Maladon, Shai Gillis Alexander. 
Like, are they good median plays or are they good ceiling plays? Okay, 26% smash. That isn't bad. Maladon. Maladon, 28%. So I start looking at that. I mean, because some players have a nice median, but not that much, not that much upside. You know, their smash percentage is lower. But I could just I could look at the lineups and see that. The ceiling projections won't tell you that either. So I mean. So that's why looking at individual lineups and saying, what are you going to play? Like, that's good. Okay, going through YouTube. Okay. Sean A is asking about Slate IQ. Slate IQ for NBA for classic slates it's going to look the same nearly every time. I mean, it's like to me, Slate IQ, which is one of our premium products here at Roto Grinders, much better for uh, showdown slates and MLB where correlation, like Slate IQ is a much better for sports that correlation matters a lot more. What types of correlations show up in the top 0.1% of lineups? Like in NBA, there's it there it really the correlations are so weak that like slant IQ is gonna look the same like every day. And it's the leverage is gonna look the same every day. It's there's not much the the, the, the sample, yeah, the sample size is large, but the, the the results, the methodology on that just it doesn't matter that much. Oh, two twos are better than two ones. Well, it depends on the price, it depends on everything. And the the the, the correlations are so weak that like in order to realize whatever percentage that is, you'd have to play the slate like 7 million times. At least in baseball or showdowns where correlation matters more, you could realize that much. The leverage is much more apparent. Okay, let's get a couple of more questions before we get out of here, going through the YouTube chat. Let's see. John Sebastian Roy asking about tiers. No, I don't play the tiers pools. It's the same thing. If you want to learn anything, any contest format that you want to learn, it's still the same. It's all, all these are still the same concepts. Just go to theoryofdfs.com. I have a course. Theory of Daily Fantasy Reports. How to think like a professional DFS player. It's a 15-hour audio masterclass. Okay, it's me in the pocket. All these concepts that I talk about on this show all in one spot, all in a stru- it's structured education. Me and James McCool go through the concepts one by one. You can see the table of contents here. You can see the chapters, game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploits, psychology, and then a bunch of miscellaneous stuff. You could do, you could use this for tiers. You could use this for PGA, any sport, any you have to think in terms of those concepts. So there's no like, strat- well, what's the strategy for this? And what's the strategy? It's all the same. What are you weighing in your head between projection, correlation, and leverage, depending on the slate size, depending on the player pool, depending on your opponents, depending, there's a lot of it depends on, and then there's 20 variables. And that'll apply to any sport. So that's why, that's why I created the course. What makes it easier on you? You just it's me in your pocket. There are plenty of people that have listened to this numerous times already. I put this out what six months ago, 
Some people listen to this once a month. You listen, you play. You listen, you play. You hear me talk about something, you hear some concept on some site or something, you go, oh, that's very close to what Jordan was saying in chapter whatever. And you go back in to listen to that chapter. It's like a reference guide. It's like going to a seminar like that. And you're constantly in there. So that that's what I would suggest, right? I wouldn't get the same question a million times. That's why I made it, right? I get the same question a million times. I get the same 40 questions a million times. Well, here's all the answers. There you go. And you can apply it to any sport. So go to theoryofdfs.com. Pick it up. On this show, we talk a lot more about the application of it, right? We're talking about specific slates and go, well, how does this concept apply here? Well, people are going to pay up here. They're not going to go down there. Is that worth it? And we're trying to weigh things together. And there is no correct answer. There could, there's 700 correct answers. And they're, they're, the difference between the correct answers are like a little, by the, this is a little better than this is a little better than this. But like, if you played any of the 700, like you're still probably better than the Joe Schmo on the couch that's playing. So at least condense it to come up with like, based on these concepts, is this a good lineup for this contest? And a lot of times the answer is yeah. So, and a lot of times it doesn't work out. And then you go on to tomorrow. But if you're building lineups that conceptually don't make sense, project way too low or aren't leveraged anywhere close to enough, like in the long term, you're going to be losing money. In the long term, on any given slate, you could win with anything. You could bang your head, your head against the keyboard with sometimes. Frank Kaminsky, right? Frank Kaminsky gave Vincent, you win. I mean, you, you feel free to bang your head against the keyboard and get those lineups. If you want, it'll happen once in a while. But you want to have the fundamentals down so you're consistently building plus EV lineups. And then you realize your profit over a long period of time, which may include losing two weeks in a row, right? I lost 10 days in a row. That, that's nothing. Just build plus EV lineups. And my plus EV, my lineups could be, the point is to make higher EV lineups than your opponent's. My lineups may be a little bit better than yours. But your lineups may not be bad. My lineups may just be slightly better. And the difference on one slate between my lineup and your lineup is not going to be all that drastic. And it's just a race of who's, who could possibly win first. But over a course of a year, over a course of three years, I'm going to make a little bit more money than you. Let's go through a couple of more questions. Uh, Doug Alk says, do you think you could be a successful DFS player for cash games without an optimizer? Of course. I, th I, know, what, I know what you're asking. Can you be a successful DFS player for anything without projections? I don't believe so. Remember, projections and an optimizer are two different things. Projections are these numbers. These numbers are projections. A Monte Carlo simulation to get the floor, the ceiling, the smash percentages, point per dollar, inputting the minutes, the usage, like these are projections. Do I do you think that you could do well long term without projections? No. 
the math is going the math is going to be much smarter than you are to weigh all these variables in your head no you're not you're, you're not going to be long term now for cash games some of the things are obvious right you could take a look i could take a look i can build a lineup today and go deontay murray is way too cheap right? i noticed that immediately right and the projections will back me up on that right so you 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 can do a lot of it but the optimizer is just a tool this is it's just an interface for a projection set. I, if I if I uploaded bad projections here and then used this optimizer, I'm going to have bad lineups, right? The optimizer is just a tool, just a calculator. So you're really just talking about projections. So either you're making your own projections or you're utilizing someone else's. And here at Roto-Grinders, we have projections for every sport. So that's why you sign up for premium. Use the link in the description, $10 off your first month, and you get access to them. To me, they're the they're by far, hands down, 100%, the most valuable thing that Roto-Grinders offers. By far. Okay? If I was not at Roto-Grinders and they said that the subscription was $400 a month, I would pay it. Okay, I used to pay the $40 a month. You know, I I used to be a subscriber. If they said it was $400 a month based on my volume and based on the fact that it would take me four years to build a model that's better than this to do it myself, why not just pay the $400 a month, right? Saves me time. It's the most valuable part. If they ripped out the projections, it's the biggest value. Most people, and then people just look at his oh, numbers and all oh, whatever. Like no, this between these two lines is all of my DS best play. All of it. You rip this section out, and I'm no longer a good DFS player. Okay, that's how important they are. Takes out all the bias. I don't have to. These are names on a spreadsheet to me. I don't need to watch basketball as long as I have my numbers. As long as I got my numbers, I'm good. So yes, so obviously I'm highlighting the fact that without projections, you're way behind the eight ball, way behind. Now, if you have projections, that doesn't mean you're automatically win either, right? The access to pr- good projections is all over the place. It's not just Roto-Grinders. I would suggest Roto-Grinders. I believe our projection team is the best in the industry, but that's that's the beginning. That's the, the game starts at that point. If you haven't gotten to that point, well, you're... You're way behind a lot of people. Let's see. Uh, Robbie asked something about lineup HQ building zero lineups. Anytime you're having an issue with lineup HQ building zero lineups, you're, you're likely likely probably overwhelmingly likely putting in conflicting settings that make lineups impossible to build like imagine i said this okay this is what i want to do okay let's see this is what i want to do i want to i'm going to build 20 lineups i want i want 70 percent Giannis. i want 70 percent luca i want 70 percent harden i want 70 percent beal and i want to lock in Durant and Jokic into my lineups. You see what the problem is now, right? 
how come let's let's even see what it does it's going to try to build lineups i mean i'm not going to get anywhere near this right like you're not gonna why don't they get any james harden well because you're trying to spend seven million dollars in order to build your lineups right i'm getting so much devin vassal why is that happening i mean like you're telling you're it's only doing what you're telling what you're telling it to do right so most likely you're 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 using settings that is causing a problem like that. You have a player, or you have a limited player pool, and you only have like one small forward in there, right? Imagine we got rid of everyone, and all you have is uh, uh, Giannis in the power forward spot. He's the only power forward you have in your pool. Well, it, now you have to spend ten eight there, and now you're trying to jam in other people, and then it's going to get some bork. It's just going to give you. I can't make any lineups like that. But if you're having a problem with lineup HQ. We got a channel in our Discord. Sign up, sign up for premium. You get the Discord. I'm in there all the time. I'm in the NBA channel. I'm in the whatever, whatever sports going on. I'm usually in their channels. But we have a lineup HQ help channel. If you're having problems, there are people in there that'll help. If you don't understand why, why you're not getting it. Most of the time it's user error. Most of the time it's not that you're stupid, that you you didn't realize that you're you made a group that confl- conflicts with this. And now your lineups are like, mm, and lineup HQ is like, I can't make any of those. Uh, you did what you're telling me to do. I is like, uh, the sites won't let me. Right? You can't spend eighty thousand dollars. You can't. You can't play three centers on fan on on on, on DraftKings. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those types of things. Ronald Coley asks, I have the theory of DFS. There's some things I don't understand. Can you email me? Yeah, of course. Email me questions at theoryofdfs.com. You're more than welcome to, right? If you have any questions whatsoever, I'll, I'll try to answer them. I answer. I try to answer questions on this show. That's why you show up at 11 in the morning. Let's see. Anything else? On casual Friday, you hit, are you hitting the thumbs up button? It's getting warm. It's getting warm, people. Oh, let's see. Could you be a successful cash? Oh, this is an interesting question. Kai Roach, could you be a successful cash or GPP player with only ownership projections? I think I think you can to some extent. Cash, definitely. Right? Because typically the highest owned players are the, 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 the chalky players. I mean, like, that's easy. If you just built the lineup based on maximizing for ownership sum or ownership product, you're probably going to get a good cash line. So yes, so I, I would I would say yes for that. For GPP, I guess you can, you can, you can to some extent if if the projection model is good. The lower the lower owned players are going to obviously project lower than everything else. You just gonna have to figure out the difference between a one percent owned player because of positional scarcity and a one percent owned player because they just don't project well, right? Because we may have some large slates where. You know, Steph Curry comes in at 3%, not because he doesn't project well. It's just that there's three expensive guards that project slightly better than him and no one's playing him. So you'd look at the 3% and go, well, he's a bad play. You wouldn't know the difference between a bad play and just a leverage play. So I think GPP, probably not as much, but definitely in cash because the ownership, really value and ownership kind of go hand in hand. Let's see. 
Butthole Jenkins says, use some of those winnings to buy a mini fridge so you can keep the juice cold. See, that would be a smart thing to do. See, we got smart people here. You're right. I should have a little mini fridge. You're right. Instead of, instead of, uh, instead of this bit, it's a bit. Do, it, do, do, do I really think that if you hit the thumbs up button, this keeps it cold? I hope you don't think that, right? Right? I see some of your lineups. Maybe you do think that. No, it's a bit. Yeah, but I could. I, yes, you're right. I, I could the the game theory optimal decision would to be to have a little mini fridge underneath my desk to keep the apple juice cold or at least a little ice bucket. But then the ice bucket, I have to clean up. It melts. So maybe, maybe that's, that's what, that's what, uh, that's what you should get me for, for, well, for Christmas or something for my birthday. My birthday's coming up in March. Want to get me a little mini fridge to put underneath here? I know you're going to think, you're like, why can't you just take your winnings and buy it? Well, say, well why, why can't you give it to me? Right? Take one of my $50 head-to-heads on DraftKings and put in a dummy lineup that's not going to do anything. And there's my money. There, there, I could buy the mini fridge there. Right? I'm a nit. Do I need to buy a mini fridge? No. What's wrong with it? I could drink it like this. Not awful. Right? It's it, This is a bit to get you to hit the thumbs up button. That's all it is. Okay? So hit the thumbs up button on your way out. On your way out the door. Casual Fridays here on Roto Grinders. Uh, we got to, who knows what's going to happen. I mean, that we I showed some concepts. We talked a little bit about Lineup HQ. Answered some questions, right? People listening later on the podcast. How you doing, podcast people? Rate, review, and iTunes. And, uh... The next seven hours are going to be, who knows who's going to play? Is Embiid in? Is Mitchell in? Is D'Angelo Russell in? How many people do we have with questionable tags? Larry Nance, is that going to matter that much? OG Anunoby, I don't know, right? We're looking through here. And Lonzo Ball is questionable. And that's just the people that are on the injury report. Yet at 430, we'll get some guy that we, we had every intention that they were going to play. They ain't playing. And then we had a game. Right? What's going to happen? What you know? What's going to end up happening? Possibly, the guy in the chat that was like, "I'm going to stack the late game. I'm going to hope Donovan Mitchell sits and stack the late game." And next thing you know, COVID contact tracing games canceled, and then you're sitting there. But I stacked the late. Game. Well, it's correlated. It's all zeros. Correlated all zeros. It could happen. I mean, it's less likely to happen, but you never know with NBA DFS. So uh, that's why you tune in every weekday. 11 in the morning here on YouTube. Hit the thumbs up button on the way out. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed. Blender HD on Twitter. And I'll see you, I'll see you on Monday for another edition of the DFS pregame show here on rotogrinders.com. Oh, 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 oh,